0: Well, welcome, everybody, for those of you who are here inside, for those of you who are outside, and for the good amount of you who are in the kitchen or preparing for after-church activities. We're so glad that we are streaming this and recording it so you could see this um, at a later time. But I want to thank David for coming and leading worship. You know, when I first came here, yeah, let's give him a hand. When I first came here, he was our, our he was a, a worship director when I came here, and uh, I remember you know Michael when he was in i think sixth grade um joining David up here and for and he started playing the you are the everlasting God, right? And so he, that's where he learned how to uh, play on a worship team, is with David. And so he's made, I mean, he set the bar really high for us, but we're glad that God provided, you know, worship coordinators to follow in his footsteps. So he's doing an amazing, amazing ministry. But I also want to thank those of you who are uh, in the prayer walk. How many of you went on the prayer walk yesterday? Raise your hand. Yeah, so thank you so much for going out in our community, praying for the fire departments, praying for the police department, praying at the, uh, you know, the educational board or the place where the school board administration meets in San Gabriel, and praying, just uh, walking on and praying for our community. It does make a difference. So thank you so much. But for those of you who are joining us for the first time, we've going, been going through a series called Five Things That God Uses to Grow Your Faith. Now, when I say God uses to grow your faith, I'm not talking about your knowledge. I'm not talking about, you know, okay, you acquire more, and so your faith is growing. What we're talking about is your ability to trust God. Have you noticed anybody in your life that no matter what happens to them, no matter how difficult life gets, no matter what they're facing, their faith is not shaken. Their faith is not shaken. And I was blessed to have a mother who was like that. You know, she died when she was 54 of cancer. But as I was walking her through that, her faith never Wavered, And I always asked her, Mom, do you ever ask God, why you? And she never once asked God, why you? Why me? Why me? Her her thing was, well, why not me? Why not me? People get cancer all the time. Why not me? And her prayer was that God would uh, be glorified as she went through this. But her faith never wavered. Through all of that. And this was at a time when my father's health was um, also um, declining. And she had to take care of my father, too, and go through this. Her faith never wavered. And so this is what we're talking about here. I mean, wouldn't you like to live a life that no matter what happens, the ocean roars, the mountains fall into the ocean, that you could just have this confidence and faith that God is going to take care of things and you don't have to worry that he's more than capable so you could have peace as you're going through this. And this is what this whole series is about. To help us grow to that point where our faith in God is so solid that, yeah, things bad things are going to happen to us, but it's not going to shake our faith. And so we talked about last thing. The first thing is practical teaching, that you have to put God's Word into practice. It is not good enough to go to a Bible study and just read and know. It is not good enough to go to a different you know, organization to learn the Bible and just read it and know. You have to put it into practice. You have to apply it to... Um, your life. Today we're going to talk about providential relationships, right? Then we're going to talk about private disciplines. What are the things you need to go, go through or do? Like prayer, um, you know, your devotions, reading scripture. Um, those are the things that we need to do in order to grow our faith. Personal ministry. God's gifted each one of you. God wants to use you. You're part of our body, the body here at Mission Valley, but then the body of Christ worldwide that God wants us to be a part of. And pivotal circumstances. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad, but God places these circumstances in our lives to grow our faith. So today we're going to talk about providential relationships. And I just want you to think right now. Are there anybody in your life or who are the people in your life that you could point back to and said, you know what? They played a pivotal role in me growing in our faith. Because if you are growing in your faith, we should all be able to point back to certain people in our life that God placed at the right moment, at the right time, at the right place to help us grow our faith, right? Because God uses people to help grow our faith, right? As I look at scripture and I look at my own life, the vast majority of the time God uses um, to help grow our faith is through relationships. It's through people. It's not this one-on-one conversation where God tells me exactly what I need to do, exactly what I need to know at the right time. You know, he has done that, but The majority of time, it's done through relationships. Because God really doesn't need us, right? God could just, boom, plant his thoughts into our mind. But he uses relationships. But you know, one of the greatest blessings for us is to be that person who makes a difference in somebody's life. Well, when they look back and say, well, who helped me grow my faith during this difficult time? And they think of us. They think of David Galton. They think of Edel, right? You know, there is no greater blessing than to be a pivot, in a pivotal relationship with somebody where God uses you to grow your faith, and so that's what we're going to talk about today: is how do we number one recognize that, and how do we be the person who God uses for us to influence the faith of others? And so, um, if you have your Bibles, can you turn with me to Proverbs thirteen twenty? Or for those most of us, just it's on your phone. You know, pick up your phone and look at your Bible app and, and go to Proverbs um, thirteen twenty. And this is what the, one of the wisest men in all of um, outside Jesus, you know, said. He said, walk with the wise and become wise, for the companion of fools suffers harm. Now, you don't have to be a genius. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to understand what Solomon is trying to say here. If you want to be wise, surround yourself with wise people. If you want to be a fool, surround yourself with, you know, foolish individuals. And the first point is the people you choose to associate with have the potential to impact your spirituality. They have the potential to either draw you closer to God or to push you away from God. And this is why these pivotal relationships are so important. Because we live in a culture that pulls you away from God. Right, as you take a look at what's going on in our nation, as you take a look at what the values that we have as a nation, all of those pulls us or pushes us away from God, pulls us away from God. And so the people in this who embrace our world's or our nation's values, once again, they may not be doing it on purpose, but they have the potential to pull us away from God. And that's important because in 1 Corinthians 15.33, Paul also picks this up when he says, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. You know, you could be walking with the Lord. You could have good character. But if you hang out with the wrong people, what does Paul say? It corrupts good character. Now, parents, this is important because you are the gatekeeper for the relationships of your children, okay? You are the gatekeepers for the relationships of your children, and you know, as Michael was growing up, you know, I had access to all of his online accounts, right? And I told, you better not have a false one. You know, this better be the only one you have, right? And why did we know that? Because I wanted to see what his friends were doing. I wanted to see what they were involved in, So I could counsel them and say, you know what, Michael, I know these are your friends, but at this point, I don't want you associating with them. Because they're doing things that I know will take you away from God or get you into trouble. And no kid likes to hear this. And I know for those kids who are outside or watching this, your parents aren't trying to make your life miserable. They're trying to obey Scripture, Because the Bible says that they are the gatekeeper to your friends. And I get it. You don't understand that. You don't say, Mom, he's not that bad. Come on. Everybody's doing it. You know? And you don't get it. Well, you're young. You're not supposed to get it. Right? I don't expect you to get it and fully understand what it means for your parents to be the gatekeepers of your relationship. But I guarantee you, when you're older and you look back, you're going to be thankful that your parents were the gatekeepers. So parents, it's important that you stand firm in this. It's not easy. You know, no kid likes to be told who they can and can't um, associate with. But this is our job as a parent, and we cannot give that to anybody else. That's our job, and that's important. And this is what Paul was trying to say here, because wrong kinds of influences lead to the wrong kinds of outcome and the wrong kinds of behavior. You know, this is not only true for kids, this is true for us, right? It's true for us in the workplace. When I was at Continental working at, you know, LAX in passenger service, there were eight supervisors. And it's just weird that if you take a look at the eight supervisors, there were four that worked hard, and then there were four that either they were incompetent, they always tried to cut corners and was late and were lazy. And so I chose to hang out with those who were, had integrity. Those who worked hard. Right? And so by hanging around with those, of course there was tension between us and those who were just trying to get by. And it was hard when my managers aligned with the opposite four right? Because they too were trying to cut corners or take the path of least resistance. So it was just us four, right? But I realized that who I worked with, who I was associated at work, affected my decisions. So for those of you who are young, I know all of our young people in the kitchen right now. Um, And so if you're looking at this at a later time, it's really important for you and for all of us who are in the workplace to associate ourselves with people with integrity. They may not be believers, but people who are hard work, who have, who are ethical and have integrity. It's really important for us to do that because the wrong kind of influences leads to the wrong kind of outcomes and the wrong type of behavior. However, when it comes to... Of making a difference in people's lives, if you want to make a difference in a person's life, if you want to say, you know, Pastor Dave, I want to be the person who makes a positive difference in a person's life, right? God uses people who are attentive to his leading to make a difference in people's lives. And so I hope you see the pattern here. When we went through Galatians, we said, what is the most important thing for us? Is not to follow rules. It's to be what? to be led by the Spirit, to walk by the Spirit, to keep in step by the Spirit. And so if you want to make a difference in somebody's life, once again, it's the same principle. And we're going to see this as we look in the account in Acts. And we're to, it's, a long, it's long, but we're going to talk. start with Acts 8.26. Acts 8.26. And then it says, then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, get up and go towards the south to the road that goes from Jerusalem down to Gaza. So once again, it wasn't Philip's idea to get to uh, just get up and go. What? It says the angel of the Lord told him. So he got up and went. And now there was an Ethiopian unit, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem uh, to worship. So here we see here he went up and there's this... Um, uh, he was like the secretary of treasury in charge of the entire uh, finances of um, Ethiopia. And it says, um, he had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home, seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over to his chariot and join it. Did you get that? It said, And the spirit said, once again, this wasn't Philip's idea. I'm not even sure he knew this guy was sitting here. I doubt he knew this guy was sitting here. So what? The Spirit told them to get go over to his chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. And he asked, do you understand what you're reading? So it's interesting that Philip sees this powerful um, uh politician right and he probably wasn't just in his chariot by himself he probably had a whole entourage with him but you know what it says that philip ran he ran up to him he didn't say okay lord i'm not sure about this what's this guy going to think you know no the spirit told him hey this is a providential relationship i want you to go to him and so philip ran. And so he's reading from the book of Isaiah. And then Philip asks, do you understand what you are reading? You know how awkward that is? (laughs) High-ranking official. uh, Do you know how to read? Do you know what you're reading? (laughs) And then he replied, how can I unless somebody guides me? And invited Philip to get in and sit behind him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was... Uh, led to the slaughter and like a lamb silent before the shearer so he does not open his mouth in his humiliation justice was denied him who can describe his generation for his life was taken away from the earth and then the eunuch asked philip about whom may ask you does this prophet say this about himself or someone else then philip began to speak and Starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. And as they were, walk, go, as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the, and the eunuch said, Look, here's water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? So he commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Now for those of you, this is just a sidebar here, side note, for those of you who aren't baptized, once again, it's not about how much you know that qualifies you for baptism. It's not how mature you are as a believer that qualifies you for baptism. Why? Because this eunuch had no clue what he was reading. He didn't even know that Isaiah was referring to Jesus and not himself. But Philip explained the gospel to him. He said, okay, I believe it. And then just a few, maybe moments later, he found water. And he goes, baptize me. Baptize me. So please don't let biblical knowledge or how far you've gone into your faith prevent you from being baptized. It's not about that. Mm-hmm. It's recognizing that you and I were sinners and we needed a Savior. And we chose Jesus Christ to be our Lord and Savior. That's what baptism is all about. So that's just a side note there. And so it says, when they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. Once again, God used Philip to have create this providential relationship with this eunuch. And this eunuch went away rejoicing because he encountered Jesus Christ through Philip. But just think of it. This guy was the head of the treasury. He was the tre- secretary of the treasury. He was one of the most powerful men in his country. And just think about the influence this guy had when he went home the people that he could influence. The the uh, policies that he could implement as a believer. And you see the domino effect of this one providential relationship. And this is the thing that when God calls us into these providential relationships, when he says, Jesus, use me. When Jesus uses you to minister to somebody, you have no clue what the domino effects could be. Philip thought he was just going up to this one gentleman. And preaching him the gospel. But he was one of the most powerful men in the Ethiopian nation. And no doubt he made a huge, huge impact. How many of you guys know Mordecai Ham? Raise that. Mordecai Ham. One. Okay, two. Two. Okay, you're going. Okay, I'm going to count it as a yes. Three. You know, it can make it look better. Mordecai Ham. Okay, well. How many of you know who Billy Graham is? Wow, look at all the hands, right? You all know who Billy Graham is. Everybody knows who Billy Graham is because they were saying he probably converted more men uh, and women to Christ than the Apostle Paul, right? Everybody knows Billy Graham, but nobody knows Mordecai Ham. Well, Mordecai Ham was one who had a Jesus-used-me event. Billy Graham accepted Christ under Mordecai Ham. You have no idea who Mordecai Ham is. He just organized the Jesus Use Me movement, a Jesus Use Me event, right? But there was this one young person there, Billy Graham. Because of Mordecai Ham and that event, he accepted Christ. Now, I guarantee you Mordecai Ham had no idea the influence Billy Graham would have on this world. Once again, providential relationships that Mordecai Ham, you know, followed the Lord and putting on these events. And because of his event, Billy Graham came to know Christ and changed this world. So when David talks about Jesus Use me, we have no idea who's going to be at the Jesus Use me movement, right? You can have the next Billy Graham at the Jesus Use me movement. But see, David is faithful to God's calling and said, you know what? I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to do this. I'm going to create an event where maybe providential relationships can be created. And just maybe God will raise up somebody whom will change the world. And then maybe 30 years from now, some pastor will say, how many of you know David Galton? Everyone will go, David Galton? Who's that? I don't know. Then how many knew so and so? And everybody will raise their hand, right? And so this is why, you know, this is important. And in order for you to be in these providential providential relationships, what do you have to do? You have to be able to listen to the Holy Spirit. It wasn't Philip's idea to do that. It was what? It was the Holy Spirit. And if we can't listen, if we are not listening to the Holy Spirit, these providential events will not happen. But there's another um, example I want us to look from. It's from Second Samuel 12. 1. This is a little bit a harsher one, but still this is a providential uh, relationship. The Lord 2 Samuel 12. 1. The Lord sent Nathan to David, and when he's came to him, he said, there are two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. Now, just to give you a little bit of background here, this is after David, you know, the guy who killed Goliath, he was now the king of Israel, but he had just uh, committed adultery and he had just committed murder. And it's, as we read scripture, it looks like, you know, David thought he got away with it. Because David committed adultery and murder. And he tried to create plans to what? Cover it up. And so there were no consequences. He probably thought, okay, you know, yeah, it was bad. But, you know, I'm going to get on with my life. Right? But there was one person who saw that. And that was God. And so the Lord sent Nathan to David. Once again, was it Nathan's idea to go? No. The Lord sent Nathan. It says, The rich man had a large number of sheep and cattle, and the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it, and it grew up with him and his children. He shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking <clears throat> one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. And David burned in anger against the man. And he said, Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, this man must die. David understood the story Nathan was saying. He said, there was this one rich man. Who had everything, who had cattle, who had goats, who had sheep. Probably numerous, right? But instead of using one of the many or excess animals that he had, what did he do? He stole from this one guy who just had one little sheep, who raised it, who loved it. And he killed it and he fed the traveler with that. David was he was just outraged because he understood what Nathan was saying. And then he says, He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Okay, so David at least gets what Nathan is saying. But then he said, Then Nathan said to David, You are that man. This is what the Lord said. The Lord got. The God of Israel says, I anointed you king over Israel. I delivered you from the hand of Saul. Could you imagine David's surprise? You know, he was furious. And he said, yeah, oh God, go get that guy. You know, that guy did evil. Oh, my goodness. You know, he should pay for this. He should suffer. <laughs> and then what does Nathan thought? <clears throat> Ahem. It's you. And so David would probably, what? He goes, I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all Israel and Judah. And if that, if all this. Um, had been too little I would have given you even more why did you despise the Lord word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes you struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own you killed him with the sword of the Amorites now therefore the sword will never depart your house because you despise me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own now my question is to you, do you have people in your life who will speak the truth and love to you when you're necessary? Because these are providential relationships too. Or do you have people in your life that will just tell you the good things, the positive things in your life and when they see something wrong they go, oh, you know, I don't want so and so to get mad at me therefore I, I'm not going to say anything. Even though you see them Running towards an ed- edge of a cliff. You go, ooh, you know, I don't want to make waves. I don't want to do anything, right? We all need Nathans in our lives. We all need people to tell us the truth. Who see things that need to be dealt with in our lives. Why? Because we have blind spots. Right. We have blind spot. Proverbs 27, 6 said wounds of a friend can be trusted, but the enemy multiplies kisses. A lot of times your friends often determine the direction and quality of your life. Do you have a Nathan in your life? You know, one of my first full time jobs was working in a carpet mill. And many of you know this story. I was in college, and I had left home. And so I had to support myself through college, right, housing, food, car insurance, and all of that. So I was working full time. But then basically, I needed a job, so I just cleaned toilets. I started off cleaning toilets and sweeping the floors and doing whatever, you know, was asked of me. And then I remember one time this, you know, one friend who worked there also said, would you stop being so lazy? You need to work harder. And I said, what are you talking about? These toilets, these bathrooms have never been cleaner, right? Look at these floors. You know, this is a clean place. You know, I, I rearranged all of these things. And I thought I did above and beyond the call of duty. He said, stop being so lazy. You know, you need to work harder. And I said, I'm doing my job description. You know, look at all these other slackers here. I'm doing, and they're getting paid more than me right? But what I didn't realize that at that time, our company was going through a financial hardship, and they were looking to lay off people. And I had been one of the last ones hired. I didn't know that. So, you know, I just took my friend's advice. I started working harder. I started doing all of these things that weren't even in my job description, then I was promoted to the uh, assistant uh, supervisor, reposition, quality control. Then I became the quality control supervisor. Then when I left the company, they wanted me to be the, uh, in charge of manufacturing of the carpet. Millions and millions of dollars would be under my supervision. But it all happened because that one person knew that they were that the company was lay, laying off. He didn't tell me that, but he just got on my case. He said, "You need to work harder." And because I listened to this one person, he saved my job. But not only did he save my job by listening to his advice, I was able to be promoted. And this one, I was still in college. This one, I was still in college, you know. And so, do you have friends who are willing to wound you? Out of love. These are providential relationships too. It's not just, ooh, you led somebody to Christ. Whoa, praise the Lord. Providential relationships also are ones when you need to confront somebody that you love. I mean, Philip did that. Goes up to this powerful politician. Hey, dude, do you even know what you're reading? You know? Nathan. Hey, David, you're that man. We all ha- have times where providential relationships often start with awkward moments. And so that's my uh, last point. Is, or is that a point? Is that a, okay, maybe it's not. Oh, it, praise God. Ooh, awkward moment just right there, huh? Um, <laughs> providential, oh, so there's going to be a lot of providential relationships out of this because they all start with awkward moments and this is what you have to be prepared for this is where you're going to have to get that courage because a lot of times they do start with awkward moments and i'm going to end with this example and i know that i've shared this before but you know there's so many new people this is what i love i get to repeat some of my stories all right so if you've heard this before you i'll give you permission to check out for two minutes okay but i've told you that I've always been kind of freaked out by people who have the gift of prophecy. Because, you know, it's like, okay, God, what are you telling them about me that I don't know about? And so whenever I talk to them, you know, it's like, ooh, you know, stay away, stay away. You know, but I remember one time when I was um, a young adult, and I was a pastor, right? And I was at a camp, and this one, it was the last worship song. I was worshiping the Lord. It was great, and then I just felt this tap on the shoulder and then I heard this voice Dave God gave me something about you do you want to know and I knew this person had the gift of prophecy I said no <laughs> I don't want to know I said I know my sins you know God knows my sins this is just between me and him and if he told you something about me it's probably not true but I don't want to know <laughs> right but you know what the bad thing was is we drove up and down together with three of us. And this was in Santa Cruz. So all the way back down from Santa Cruz, what do you think I'm thinking? What did God tell her about? And so I'm just listing all of my sins that I ever committed and to come up with an explanation on why I did those things. And I had about five hours to do that. So I pretty much had all my big sins down. And so I was ready. But we dropped off one person and this was the last person that I had to drop off. So when I Was ready to drop her off at her home. I finally said, what did God tell you? I can't stand this anymore, right? And she said, okay, David, Pastor Dave, this is, God gave me this vision. She said, I saw you crouching in fear, wearing a black robe. I saw you standing, wearing a red robe. I saw you preaching, wearing a white robe. And I'm like David, I understood what she was saying. And she was saying, Dave, you are so afraid of your past that you, fa- that you fear God. It's going to inhibit your ministry if you are crouching in fear because of the sins of your past. And praise God, God didn't tell her those. She, it was the sins in general, right? And that's what she said, why you were crouching in fear. But then she, I saw you standing in red, meaning what? The blood of Jesus Christ covered you. Therefore, you don't no longer have to crouch in fear. You could stand being covered by the blood of Christ. And when you preach, you are wearing a white robe because you have been declared righteous in God's eyes. You are no longer wearing a black robe. There's no need for you to fear. There's no need, to, need for you to fear your past. When you preach, preach as somebody who stands righteous before God, not because what... You have done because what? The blood of Jesus Christ. Pivotal moment that changed my life. But it started awkward. Could you imagine her coming to a pastor and say, oh, Dave, you know, I I saw this. It doesn't start off good. But I'm sure it was just as awkward for her to tell me that. But it changed my life. Now, you have to have discernment. Whenever you speak the truth in love, it has to be bathed in prayer. Don't just go in guns blazing. The God sent Nathan, right? He just didn't go in there. To... No, no, no. Whenever you confront somebody, you have to bathe it in prayer before you confront them. And remember, speak the truth in love, not the spirit of criticism, Right? Pivotal relationships are so important. You know, as Jesus, David said, Jesus use me. You know, one thing that Jesus wants to use you as somebody who could change the lives of somebody else because of a pivotal relationship that you have. God is setting up these pivotal relationships for you to meet these people so you could impact their lives. He's got them lined up for you. The only thing we have to do is make that choice whether we're going to believe it or not whether we're going to obey God or not whether we're going to speak to this person or not because oftentimes it starts awkwardly but we have the courage and the faith to believe that God knows what he's doing and he's going to use us to change somebody's life so what's our weekly challenge write a note to somebody who helped grow your faith I want you to think back in your life you know, and think of maybe the person who helped you in your faith. Maybe a long time ago. They may not even have known that they made a difference in your life. You know, write them a note. Thank them. Tell them how they, uh, they impacted your life. Because my guess is they probably don't even know. And it will be such an encouragement for them to do that. Obey the Spirit's guidance if, if he's directing you to interact with somebody this week. The Lord sent Philip, the Lord sent Nathan, the Lord's going to send Edel. the Lord's going to send Coe, Amy, Lerner. He's got those relationships set up. I just pray that we all have the courage to go out and obey God. Worship team, please come forward. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you know we have so many blind spots you know that there are certain relationships that will pull us closer to you and pull us away from you and father that you use people you use ordinary people like each one sitting here this morning to be that individual that could change somebody's lives. And Father, we have no idea the impact we can make on somebody's lives through your power, through the words, Father, that you've given us. So I just want you to sit here right now and meditate. Is there somebody right now that God has calling you To have a pivotal relationship with. That at this specific moment in time, in a specific place, God wants to use you to make a difference in a person's life. Just take a moment to ask God if there's anybody... And if you believe God's calling you to be a Nathan, spend some moments asking God for wisdom, asking God for tone, asking God for the right words to say as you talk and confront this individual. And lastly, Father, I pray for all of our parents here today who are the gatekeepers of their children's relationships. Father, I know it's hard, especially in today's relationship. And as David said, that this is the most anxious and worryful generation for the things they see on the phones, the things they see on TikTok videos. And they wonder, Father, are they going to be safe? Are they wondering if these things are going to happen to them? But Father, I pray for our parents that you would give them the courage and out of love to be the gatekeepers of our children's relationships. Father, and I pray for our children Lord, that you would somehow supernaturally open up their hearts and minds to allow them to trust their parents, even though they don't understand why their parents are putting certain restrictions on who they could hang out with and who they can't hang out with. Father, I get they probably don't understand that right now. But Father, I pray that your spirit would work in them at least to obey their parents even though they don't understand why their parents are doing this. Father, give us the courage to associate with wise people, people who could bring us closer to the faith and not draw us away. And yes, Lord, that doesn't mean that we separate from the world, But Father, that we would associate with like-minded people, whether it's at work, with people who are hardworking, with people who have integrity, people who have the courage to do what is right and not what is wrong, whether they're believers or not. Lord, it does come at a price. But Father, I pray for courage to do so. And thank you, Father, that you provide people to us at the right moment at the right place and time, to encourage us. And Father, may you use us. Jesus, use me. Father, may we all say that to make a difference in someone's life. In your Son's name we pray, amen.